by the renewing of our minds, how that once we give ourselves to the Lord, once we receive him and Christ lives in us, that he begins to basically rewire our minds. He begins to sanctify us. He begins to grow us. Uh, Our attitudes change. And we even talked about how that now they can even study the human brain. Our brains change. As he really, we have new neural pathways that that occur in our brains. And old ones that connected us to some bad thoughts and bad things begin to go away. He literally does rewire our minds. We did a whole series on that. We still have some of a Bible study group doing a study on uh, the Bible study winning the war in your mind. For your mind, okay? So uh, we, we did all of that. And sometimes I worry that we, we get involved in these Bible studies and we preach sermons that go along with them. And, and, and yet I wonder, do we really get from it what we should? Or it's like we're done with that, we forget it and move on to something else. What else you got? What else you got? You know, I don't know. I just feel that way sometimes. Whew, it's exhausting. So sometimes I like to soak in a little bit of this. But as I'm thinking about that, there's, there's part of this that happens that, that God does something in us. It's like the most incredible thing. There's an ability that he gives us that is the greatest superpower of all. Now, there's a lot of talk about superpowers. And I know my, my son, I have a son here today that's wearing like a, a, a flash emblem. Uh, is that what that is? Uh, yeah, at least I knew what it was. I don't, I, I'm not totally into this. I quit reading comic books when I was a kid. Uh, so, but this is a big thing. And many of you are really into these superhero, super, you know. I just somehow or another, you know, and hey, it was all different when we were kids, were they not? Remember, we even had the Saturday morning cartoons. Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. And then, okay, anyway, uh, you know, you had all these things and, you know, and Batman and Robin were the ones, the reruns from like the 60s, you know. Uh, I'm sorry, Adam West, still the real Batman. I don't care what they do, still the real deal, right, right. Uh, Well, uh, there's a lot of thinking about, boy, if I had superpowers, what would it be? Well, there's the, I want to tell you what the greatest superpower is, but I'm I'm telling you because it's available to us. And there's nothing like it. And when the world sees it, it has a powerful effect on them. And it is the ability to do something that humanly you can't do on your own. You can imitate it. You can take a shot at it. But you'll never achieve it without supernatural power of the creator living inside of you, doing this in you and through you. And it is the ability to love like God loves. Oh, is that all? No, come on. I'm telling you, this is the greatest thing. You can't do this on your own. But with him, this is like the most powerful thing. And it needs to be real. Because it's easy to try to fake like you have this. I mean, we watch very closely, we'll find out, but... It's unlike when I put the, um, the blanket around my neck to make a cape and jumped off the... You know, I started to take a picture of the old storm cellar when we were home last week to show that because my grandkids are climbing all over it. That's the one I tried to jump off of. I thought, I got a cape. I've been watching on TV. I kind of feel like Superman and jumped off. And I no Superman here. <laughs> Gravity's real, you know. Uh, 
but no matter what you think, uh, Paul tells us, let it be real. This can be real. It can really happen in your life. Uh, but you can also try to fake it. All right, I'm going to read the Romans part. Are you ready? You got your Bibles ready? I've given you plenty of time to get your Bible, get your app powered up, and uh, get focused in. So we're going to need the Word of God open, all right? I'm not going to say anything that's very great unless, unless we're, we're bringing it from the Word. We want to just bring it out, okay? And then Paul is going to say this, but he's basing this on things that he knew that Jesus taught. So I think the thing we will do is read this, and then we're going to look at Jesus' own words in this. Uh, it's radical stuff. So he says this in Romans chapter 12 because he goes on talking about this being renewed in our minds and, and how that um, it affects the way we inter- interact with not just God but other people. And we're called into one body. It's one of Paul's favorite illustrations about the church. There's the body of Christ. There are different members. There are different gifts and callings to achieve one purpose. And that one purpose is that we show forth this supernatural power in and through our lives. But don't fake it. That's why he says in verse 9, let love, I like the way I put a couple of syllables in there. Let love, it wasn't really syllables, it's just kind of a wave, right? I might get into that preacher mode, all right? Let love be genuine. Easy for it to not be. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Comes back with it. Love one another with brotherly affection. I'm reading for the English Standard Version. I love the way it handles the the original text here. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Hey, if you're going to compete and try to outdo each other, try to outdo in showing honor and respect and love to each other. Do not be slothful in zeal. Man, I'm doing commentary while I'm reading it. I know I am, but people are getting lazy today after all this COVID. This has been my theme of the day. I've been talking, I've already hit several, boy, people are getting lazy. And, you know, after the shutdown and after people having to stay home, we're just lazy. We're getting lazy. Don't be lazy with this. That's what he's saying. Don't be slothful or lazy in zeal. Be passionate, in other words. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Man, I, I, I could just preach on that verse, but let's move on. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Are y'all getting all this? This is rich stuff. He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Oh, we're never wasting time when we're just reading the word of God. You know it? This is rich. This is powerful. He says in verse 18, if possible, because sometimes it ain't. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. Talking about overcoming. We're not going to be overcome by evil, but overcome. How do you overcome evil? There's only one way. With good. So the power to fulfill all of this has to be supernatural. Because we just don't have it within ourselves to put all this through our lives and to live it. Um, Now, that scripture we read is is so deep and powerful, we could spend a lot of time there. And, uh, but you know what? What Paul is doing is sharing and teaching what he knew Jesus taught. Jesus said something that's very familiar scripture. And when I'm going to turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6, um, I have Matthew. I have Matthew chapter 6 on there. I'm so sorry. I was thinking about Matthew, I guess. I meant Luke. So ignore what you see there on the board and go to Luke chapter 6. I mean, I don't know why I did that. Maybe somebody needs to read something in Matthew chapter 6, maybe here today. But Luke chapter 6, verse 27. Let's read what Jesus had to say about this, um, because uh, I want you to know, even though you're familiar with it, you've heard this, you've heard people repeat, repeat these words, but I want us to think about how deep, and I want you to think about how supernatural this is. That Jesus said some of the most radical words that the world has ever heard. Yeah, we just kind of get numb to it. Jesus says it this way. He goes in verse 27. This kind of comes from the Sermon on the Mount. He says, but I say to you who hear. Not everybody's hearing. Not everybody's listening. You want to know why? Because they don't want to listen. But you who want to hear is kind of what he's saying. He says, to you who hear, here's what I'm going to say to you. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Sound familiar? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. I'm going to have to have God's help to do this. (laughs) To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from the one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. As you wish that golden rule, ding, ding, ding. Are you hearing it? Golden rule. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good. And lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and to the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Wow. I need to take a deep breath. How about you? This is more than just a moral code of ethics by which to live. It's deep principles. These aren't just mechanical responses like, okay, I turn the other cheek. I've only got two of them, so yeah, right? 
Uh, it's more than just some kind of mechanical response and giving up your coat. Uh, these are characteristics that Christ wants to grow in us in the deepest part of our being. And it comes from his spirit. Love is the first fruit of the spirit that is mentioned. That we can't conjure this up. This is something the presence of God in us must produce in us and through us. Characteristics of Christ living in us and through us. The change begins to happen on the inside. And he rewires our minds. And the effects, though, are seen on the outside. So there's a change in the attitude and there's a change in the action. Okay? Uh, So this sermon is more than just about a moral code of ethics. It's about salvation. It's about the Holy Spirit being in control. This is about resisting what comes natural to me and what I most want to do. I probably wouldn't say this if I was somewhere else, but but growing up watching westerns all the time, this is killing the Clint Eastwood in me and bringing to life the Jesus in me. Right? Do you feel lucky, punk? You know, that get even type thing that's in us. It's just natural. Right? Man. Okay, well... I want to keep going with that, but let's go on and let's look at this. All right, you ready? Because the thing that first happens is is we have a supernatural attitude. An attitude that comes from out of this world. Because it has to start there. Because if I don't have the right attitude on the inside of love that is supplied by him and grown there by him, I can't just do the action. I can be fake, and that's why Paul said, don't be fake, let it be genuine. Right? Okay? I can be fake. I need it to be real. How's it going to be real? He begins to change me on the inside. And so what's the source? The source is God himself. I mean, it comes from him. It is him. It's him living in me and through me. The word is agape. You've heard that before. It's agape love. Now, why do I say that? Some of you might be kind of new to this. But you understand there are about four Greek words. There's more than that that's used in the Greek language of ancient times, especially, that could be translated by our one English word, love. Two of the main ones are agape and phileo, which phileo is a tender affection, like you would have concern and care for people. Agape is a different type of word. It's used in John three sixteen, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's that love that sacrifices. It's that love that gives. It's the God love. And when we look back, just a little tidbit, uh, you can explore this more later, but when we look back in Greek literature, in ancient Greek, uh, classical Greek, we don't really find much about that word. And for years they thought this was kind of a special made-up word uh, that that the Holy Spirit gave the writers to, to show us. But it is not something the world really knew about. It's not really something the world understands. This is something that comes from God. 
Agape. And it took on a whole new meaning. It took on a whole new sense in the New Testament. And which, by the way, nowadays, uh, we know so much more about Koine Greek that the New Testament was originally written in. We know so much more about it than they did even in the 1600s and the 1500s when some of the older King James and stuff was translated. We actually know more about it and we found more surviving materials that we can study and know better even how to translate it. But this is one of those words that you really can't express in our language the depth of what kind of love this is. It's the very love where God gave himself on the cross. That's the kind of love. John three sixteen. In fact, God is love. He's not just our source of love. He is love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 says this. So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. Do you know it? Do you believe it? Have you experienced it? Because if you haven't, this is this is what we're talking about is going to be impossible to you until you experience it from him. Will you let him love you? Will you just let him love you? He's already done everything. Jesus has already died on the cross. I know there may be a lot of unfair, horrible things that have happened to you. This is a world that is the Bible teaches cursed by sin that we brought in. Sin. We've all sinned. Adam and Eve sinned. The world is cursed. The earth is cursed. Our flesh is cursed. Bad things happen to good people. The world isn't fair. But God has proved for all time how much he thinks you're worth when he sent his son to hang on a cross and bear your sins there and take the wrath of God like we sang about a while ago. Did you catch that part in that song? That the wrath of God was poured out on him, on Christ for, for us, that we deserved so that we could be free, so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have relationship with him. And you just need to accept that and realize he's already proved. Don't, don't, don't let the devil tell you God doesn't love you. Then explain Jesus beaten beyond recognition, dying on the cross. Crying out, Father, why have you forsaken me? He did that for you. So he says, we know the love of God. That's what we're talking about. And it says, God is love. Not just God has love or God gives love. Did you hear what he said? God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. If, you, if you're going to have love living in you, and uh, you're going to have to live in God. You're abiding in him. That love's abiding in you. You're abiding in it. You're living in it is what he's talking about. So the, 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 the thought that keeps coming back, it's not normal to do this. It's not normal. It's not even human to love like that. It must be supernatural. Hey, the Jews didn't do this of Jesus' day and Paul's day. And you can't get more religious than them. Religion can't do this. It's got to be relationship with Christ. Because you can't get more religious than the Jews were of that day. They used the Old Testament. They had nearly the whole thing memorized. But it was morphed with tons of traditions and made up teachings. Hey, wait a minute. Sometimes we do a little bit of that ourselves, don't we? Okay, you can nod your head without saying amen, but that, I'll take it. Watch out now, because this might found, sound familiar. The Jews thought, they thought that it was actually, are you listening? Okay, they thought it was spiritual 
actually. They thought it was spiritual to hate those who stood for everything that you oppose. They thought it was spiritual to hate those people that stand for things that you oppose. See, sometimes we get caught up in that. Yeah, some people who profess to be Christians are very hateful in their actions. We're not very good sometimes at hating the sin but loving the sinner, are we? I mean, it's easy to get caught up in that. I mean, I know we got to stand up for truth, but th- sometimes the way we do it, we end up like these guys. Now, in Matthew uh, chapter 5, maybe that's where I was thinking about Matthew earlier. Uh, verse 43 says, Jesus said this, you have heard that it was said. I'm thinking about doing a whole series sometime on the, the statements that Jesus made where he says, you've heard that it has been said, but I say to you. Like, this has been what people have said and what has been taught even But here's what I'm going to say. And boy, he dials it in, doesn't he? Okay, so this is one of those. This is one of those. He says, you've heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That's what Jesus says. You know, this is all supposed to be about love. And we're to speak the truth even in love. Sometimes it offends people. But if I'm going to offend people, I pray I can do like Paul said, that it's the cross that offends. It's God's truth that offends and not me personally who is the the ones that offends. Right? Some Christians have their own special type of jihad. Only instead of bombs, they use words. And we attack each other all the time. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, okay. See, the Jews got confused with parts of the Old Testament, you know, where God used Israel uh, as an instrument of judgment on idolatrous people. See, when the nations whom God had warned that, you know, that it's not like the rest of the world didn't know about God and God's truth, but, but, but his children of Israel, they, they were to be a light. They were to be a witness to the rest of the world. They didn't do such a good job at that. But many of these nations, they knew about it. Just like whenever they came in and spied out Jericho, uh, Rahab there, she knew about God's promise. She knew about who God was. And she believed God and she helped the spies. And that's why she was delivered. So it's not like everybody else was like, what's going on here? They knew. And because those nations had turned their back on God and gone to idols, God was judging them. They could have believed, but as they were forced out, people will see where God tells his people in the Old Testament to go in and to force those people out. God was pronouncing judgment front and center right here and now on planet earth on those nations and he used his people to do it. Uh, But before you get to shouting unfair, uh, you need to understand that there were times that his own people that he singled out to be a witness to the rest of the world that they were so off track and so rebellious that God used some of those nations to come back and punish and judge them. Right? The Babylonians, the Assyrians, you see that happen time and time again. So those kinds of things do happen in the Old Testament. And they misunderstood when God was telling them to go in there and, you know, and that, that, that somehow or another that applied to how they should do things. Uh, but uh, it was different. They also misunderstood some of the Psalms, which call on God to judge. Well, you read some of David's stuff where he calls on God to, to judge his enemies? I'm putting it mildly. He uses some heavy language, David does. Calling on God to judge his enemies. I mean... Um, they misunderstood that too. The psalmist didn't do that. He didn't do the getting even. He was asking God to do it. You understand? He wasn't saying, you do this. 
He was calling upon God to vindicate his holy name. It's not just about me. It's about how they're, dis, uh, how they're disrespecting and dishonoring your holy name, O oh God. So you can't use any of those Old Testament passages as a call to arms like some try to do today because that's wrong. The, the, the truth is you can't imagine how this teaching of Jesus that we read a while ago, how radical it was and how upsetting it was to these Pharisees because they thought the other way. We're supposed to hate those who don't agree with us on everything. And we're supposed to hate those that are different than us. And we want them to suffer. You know? And, and sometimes we get that attitude too. Uh, but that's not what the Old Testament ever taught. They were wrong. So it's possible to take the scripture and read the scripture and to not interpret and not apply it correctly. Because they use scripture too, Right? It's like Lincoln was even talking about during the Civil War about prayer, about each side praying to the same God for the destruction of the others and both using the same Bible to quote scriptures against each other. Sometimes that happens with us. But the Old Testament never taught. Are you with me still? Come on, this is important. The Old Testament never taught that it was okay to hate your enemy. It's not like God, some people say, well, the God of the Old Testament and then the God of the, no, he's the same. Just his manner and method of dealing with people is different in the age of grace than it was during the time, especially of law. But God's the same. You see God's mercy throughout the Old Testament. You see God is a God of love and God is a God of mercy. He's also a God of holiness and justice. He's still that same God today. He hasn't changed. His plan is unfolding as we go through the pages of Scripture. But you go all the way back to Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18, and listen to what it says in the Old Testament, in the law. He says, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Right there. This whole thing of loving your neighbor as, your, as much as you love yourself. I mean, how many of us are there? Yet, we really love our neighbor as much as we love self. So they, they, they did know about that verse, by the way, but they found a neat way to get around it, just like we tend to do. They just uh, were very selective of who they defined as their neighbor, right? And Jesus hits that head on. <coughs> he uh, is talking to a young guy. About eternal life. And the guy says, hey, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, your mind. And love your neighbors yourself. I know that. And Jesus is like, you're getting it, man. And he's like, so who's my neighbor? And this isn't a Mr. Rogers episode gone bad. Who's your neighbor? Let me be your neighbor. Jesus tells a story to illustrate it. You remember the story? Who's my neighbor? It's over a few pages uh, from our text in Luke chapter 10. And he tells about this guy that's going from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And um, it's downhill and it's curvy and it winds around. And it was a place where a lot of times thieves and robbers would lie in wait. And this guy fell among thieves and they just beat the tar out of him. And I mean, they just beat him up real bad. And they took his stuff and he's wounded and he's bruised and he's laying there. And all of a sudden this priest comes by. Priest, woo! This is some godly religious person, right? And he just like passes by, it says, on the other side. Did you hear that? He didn't even want to get close to the dude. This is like, ooh, I'm just, uh, you know, walked on by. Then a Levite, this is somebody that serves in the temple too. And does the, the, the work of the ministry. He comes by and he, he goes around. 
And then finally there came along a Samaritan. What? See, you don't get the full impact of that. These were the low-down, nasty, despised people by the Jews that he was talking to. They were nasty physically, morally, and especially spiritually. They wouldn't even get close to a Samaritan or you might get their devil cooties on you or something. You know what I'm saying? They were contaminated by sin. and You know, uh, but it's interesting. Jesus uses a Samaritan in his story as the one who comes along and he sees the man and he has compassion on the man. He feels something on the inside and that he binds up his wounds. He stops the bleeding. He takes some of his own oil that was very expensive and uses medicine to, 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 to uh, anoint his, his wounds and, and put him on his own horse. So now, or his own horse, probably his own donkey because only royalty had horses. Anyway, sorry about that. Um, but back to the story. Um, he puts it on his own Beast of burden, okay? And um, so he's walking now and letting this guy ride on there. And he's going down to Jericho. He gets there and he puts him up and he takes like two days worth of pay and gives it to the innkeeper and says, you take care of this guy. And if he needs anything else, you take care of it. When I come back, I'll reimburse you if it's more than what I gave you. Jesus said, I want to ask you, who in this story was the neighbor? Well, the guy said, I guess the one that showed mercy. Yeah, you got it. Now you go do the same. <laughs> so basically, your neighbor is anybody you come in contact with, said Jesus. So quit being selective about who you're going to be nice to, who you're going to witness to, who you're going to try to help, who you're going to love. Puts people in our path, does he not? Don't look down your nose, Paul said, and be haughty. Hoity-toity. You're looking down. Like you think you're so much better. Probably the Lord's looking down at you saying, you just don't get it. You don't get it. Um, so Jesus' definition blows us away. Now let's wrap this up by talking about not just supernatural attitude, but supernatural action. If we're going to love like this. There's some action words that comes out of Jesus' talk over here in Luke chapter 9. Not Matthew, Luke chapter 9. I can't get it right. Luke chapter 6. Uh, in verse 27, he says, Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Do good. So there's action words for you. Do good to those who hate you. It takes supernatural strength, not only to do this, but to live like this. And guess what? Jesus isn't asking you to do anything that he didn't do himself in the flesh on planet earth. He did this. He set the example. He modeled this. Isn't that awesome that God just doesn't tell us stuff? He came down here and showed us how to do it in the flesh. None of us have ever had happen to us what Jesus had happen. And he says, speak. There's another action word because when he says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. In verse 28, that's speaking. You're seeking their good from God. For those who actually mistreat you. Bless, that means not just to say good things, but to wish good things. I mean, you can say, well, bless your heart, and you don't mean it. You, you know, just the way you say that, you've got to mean it. You wish good things, not just say good things um, to those who curse you. I mean, if it comes to cursing, guys, I've been, I've been, I answered a call to preach when I was 15 years old. I've been in the ministry, I've been pastoring full time since I was 20 years old. But I want to tell you, 
there's still something in me that if somebody's giving me a cussing, I could come right back at them with more. It would shock everybody. I could put them in their place. They would never see it coming. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. If you give in to the flesh, that's, that could happen. This takes supernatural strength to speak good and to wish well genuinely and to say good things to those who are cursing you and to not go out and talk bad about them behind their back to run them down, but to say nice things. God help us. Because when this kind of stuff starts happening and they see you loving people with action, people who have been hateful to you and you start saying nice things and wishing well to those who are verbal about saying things about you that are bad and meaning harm to come to you. When you come out with the opposite, the world looks and says, how is this? You know, I look back at my high school years when I started preaching, and we were even doing devotions at school. If there's anybody listens that from back in those days, man, there were times we had 70, 80 uh, uh, of our students in high school gathered on the steps of the high school building, and we did devotions every day, and we prayed during school. We had like a break between, like a 10 or 15 minute break between a couple of classes. Uh, it's a different schedule now. But anyway, probably the biggest message I ever preached, someone reminded me of later on. Because they knew about my temper. I had a horrible temper and, and a bad mouth, a very profane mouth, okay? Uh, but as they saw things happen in me, there was this young man. I almost said he was a punk, but they'd be talking bad about him, wouldn't it, Pam? So I'm not going to say that. Well, he, he acted like that sometimes. But anyway, you know what happened that attracted me? Because we'd always make camp under the bleachers. You stay in the shade so you know you, you're ready. And, and I was walking, and he was up on top. It was at a football stadium. I had his track. And he spit on me. Well, everybody was watching because that's the kind of thing somebody did. I, would be run, I wouldn't care about any race I had to run that day. I would be running those bleachers up there to get a hold of that guy. And I just kind of looked and said, what are you doing, man? Why do you want to do that? I reacted totally different. Um, this is after the Lord had really done a lot of work on me. Um, anyway, this, that, that happened. And I didn't chase him down. I did, but years later, someone said, you know, you'd been doing all that preaching and stuff at school. But it wasn't until I saw that knowing you the way I know you. And how you reacted to that. I felt sorry for you. Because I know you could have thumped that guy from here to kingdom come. And the way you reacted, I thought, that ain't natural. He said, that's got to be supernatural. He said, I knew that that's a moment when I knew what happened to you. was this, I said, this is a bigger miracle than, than, than the Red Sea parting. This right here. Because if you'd seen my temper in those days. Uh, but, but that had a bigger impact on some of my buddies than any time I witnessed to them, then any time I tried to preach at them or anything is when they saw me tested and something happened. I can't say I passed every test, but that day I didn't realize how many people and then 15, 20 years later would bring that incident up that I'd kind of forgotten about. Um, only Jesus can help you do this. And it is supernatural. And if he can help me, I guarantee you he can help you. It's powerful. And then... Resist vengeance and payback. And that's verse 29 where he says, 
to the one that strikes you on the cheek, turn the other also. They take your cloak, give them your tunic. Now, I want you to understand these are good examples of doing good to those who hate you. But listen, are you listening? I keep asking you that just because I want to get you to, yeah, I guess some kind of response. Striking on the cheek doesn't mean you're a spineless wimp or a pacifist. I even yet said that in my yelling voice. And you guys just like, okay. It doesn't mean you don't defend yourself or others. I think when Jesus said things, he counted on most of us having a little sense. Right? This kind of strike is something done as a public insult, is what he's talking about. A public insult. It represents times when you're publicly humiliated. And so... You need to understand that. It doesn't mean you're a punching bag, but it means you're not always there to just get what's yours and punch back. Um, he says, give to everyone who begs from you, and from verse 30, who takes away your goods. Do not demand them back. Doesn't mean that you allow yourself to be conned all the time. That's not what he's saying. Those kind of people aren't in need. They are thieves. Trying to rip you off. Sometimes we need, we need wisdom sometimes to discern, don't we? But he talks about in generally helping people who are genuinely in need. Not being conned. But when we give, he's telling us that we give out of a heart of love. Not expecting anything in return. Not even appreciation. That's giving. Because sometimes it's like, okay, I'll help you out, but you owe me. Right? That's not really giving. That's kind of what he's trying to bring out here. That's what he's trying to say. Um, many of these very disciples, listen to me before we wrap this up. They're going to experience this in its full form. They're because of one reason, that they are Christ followers. They're going to be humiliated. Some of these guys are going to be stripped down naked and publicly beaten because of their faith in Jesus Christ. Just because they identify with Christ and his love. Because I want to tell you, our worldview is different than the world's. And the world's agenda is different than what scripture teaches. And they hate love and truth and light. It goes against what they want to happen in this world. And they can become very violent and very hateful. And they got, these guys found that out. They were going around loving and trying to help people. Yet they were beaten. In fact, nearly all of these guys, with the possible exception of John, died for their faith. They were murdered, martyred as a witness of their faith in Christ. So this is going to happen. Some of these guys are going to be beaten. They're going to be tied up. They're going to be imprisoned. They're going to be killed because of their love through Jesus Christ. They're going to know what this is all about. Some of them are going to have their property confiscated. Disinherited from their families. But remember. Paul quotes from that Old Testament passage. In Romans 12, 19. Never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written. Vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. Oh boy. So I trust God enough. For the salvation of my eternal soul. But do I trust him enough to take care of this. That for me to say I don't get mad, I get even, is not a Jesus type statement. Okay? That's dirty Harry, not Jesus. Do I trust him enough to let him deal with the consequences? Okay, I'm under conviction too. I'm just saying that because you look like you are. I'm just saying. The action Jesus prescribes goes further. Than anything else to show 
that we are different than the world, different than everything else. world has never experienced true agape love. This is the greatest testimony. This is the greatest witness. His love actually being acted out through us so that obnoxious person who's trying to do and say bad things about you, you may not realize it, but that right there might be the biggest opportunity for you to impact not so much just them, but people around all of you guys about the love of Jesus Christ than anything. And they're going to see there's something supernatural going on in your life. I need to find out what it is. And they're going to find out what it is. It's Jesus and the gospel. And then he gives us the golden rule in verse 31. He says, and as you wish others would do to you, do so to them. All right, the golden rule. Uh, did you notice that? Now, you might be surprised to somebody point out to you, oh, yeah, well, Jesus wasn't the first one to say that. Right? Did you ever hear that before? Hey, I'm almost done. Hang in there. Come on. <laughs> um, an Athenian in the 4th century B.C. wrote, Whatever angers you when you suffer at the hands of others, do not do to others. In the apocryphal book of Tobit, which was written between the Old Testament and New Testament, it says, What thou thyself hatest to no man do. And Confucius say, What you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. In A.D. 20, Rabbi Halil wrote, what is hateful to you, do not do to others. So what makes Jesus' words unique? Others had said it before him. Well, did you notice that all of the others took it from the negative? They're all negative, but Jesus puts his in the positive. It's not what you don't like, don't do, but it's what you do. What you want done, you do. Now, follow me on this. This makes all the difference. It's not just about things you don't do, but what is it that you actually do? It's not just about doing nice things, but also why you do them. It's one thing to say, well, I've never done that. I would never do that. I would never say that. It's another thing to actually do and think Good things in return for evil things. So it's more about what you do, do, than just what you don't do. Okay? So the good that you want done, do it. Do it. Action. So, uh, last thing. Let's, uh, let's applicate it. You ready to applicate? Are you ready to apply this? This is where we apply this. Jesus says, let's take it home. Woo! Let's take it home. How about some take home? You got your doggy bags open. Let's get some take home. Because that's all he does right here in verse 22 or 32 is wrap this up and let's just go back over it and let's get some take home here. So uh, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to rehash it. He says, if you just love those that love you, you're no better off than anybody. I mean, the worst sinners out there love people who love them and, 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 and say nice things to people who say nice things to them. You're no different. So what is he saying here? Be different. Don't be like everybody else. You want to make an impact? you got to be different. Some of us are so like everybody else of the world that doesn't know Christ that there's no way that they know you belong to Christ unless you told them. They need to see that something's different about you. And then when they ask you, you say, I belong to Jesus. That's why. If you only give to those who give to you, then Jesus says, you don't get it. You don't understand. You only help those who are able to help you back. You're no different than the world. So he recaps. He says, love your enemies in verse 35. And do good and 
lend, do all this stuff. Help not expecting anything in return. Not even appreciation or applause. You're just doing it because of his love. Do you understand what we're trying to do here? That the enemy, we understand who the real enemy is. It's not them, it's the devil. That's the real enemy. We're attacking them back when really the enemy's Satan. And what we need to understand is he has a hold on their lives. And we need to understand that they're, they're, they're being controlled by the fleshly nature. We need to understand that they may be lost and their soul in danger of being separated from God forever. So what's Jesus calling us to do? Yes, he's calling us to love the devil out of them. He's saying, I want you to go out there and love the hell out of them. You understand what I'm saying? Because that's what's at stake here. We're talking about eternity of being separated from God in the lake of fire. We call it hell. And by letting this supernatural Ability come through us that comes from Christ. It might be the most powerful thing that causes a person to see Jesus in us. And end up transforming their lives. Transforming our relationship with them. Where we get to use the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy like he talks about. And it might save their soul from hell. That's what we're talking about here. Amen. Amen. He says, you're going to have your reward. Don't think that you just lose it. Well, everybody takes advantage of me and I'm just like, no, 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 no. You're going to have a reward that lasts forever and you can't even understand it if he tried to explain it to you. You wouldn't even. And you're going to be like your father, showing mercy and grace. God, help us. Pray with me. And Lord Jesus.